Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. So we finally saw the movie. We fucking did it. We finally saw it. We, ah. We've been very excited about it. I don't think we've ever really talked about it on the podcast yet. Just but like Nicolas Cage. passing. Yeah, Nicolas Cage has a brand new movie out called Renfield, ah. uh, in which he plays Dracula. And the very interesting about this is that uh, he specifically made sure that this movie was played as though it was a sequel to Bela Lugosi, but uh, Dracula in the 1930s. Yes, yes. Um, and I think that's really cool. Not only was that like a really interesting story choice, but like they actually like filmed portions of it to appear as though Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt were inserted into the old black and white footage. Uh, it was like frame for frame. Yeah, yeah. it was really, really cool. Uh, I just, I remember it being announced that Nicolas Cage was going to play in a vampire story and then like specifically that Nicolas Cage was going to play Dracula. And I mean, you know me. Uh, my immediate response was like, hell yes, when and where I'm in. Uh, and uh, I, I, have, I have been saying lately that Nicolas Cage is in like a, like a second, like prime. Like I think honestly, like this is the best era of Cage yet. And that's saying something because he has a storied career. But with like back to back fucking smashes with like Pig with uh, unbearable weight of massive talent with uh, Renfield like these movies that he's in right now just really showcasing a range and a one hundred percent lack of fucks left to give. Yeah, I mean there is there is a certain level of like he's definitely playing into the character of Nick Cage, you mm -hmm. know, like he's almost become uh, a characterization of a real person at yeah. this point. And that's the person he's playing in real life on top of adding to that characterization in each of his films, yeah. you know, but the, but the big swing, you know, Wally's Wonderland is still kind of right yes. up in that same sort of era. Yes. Like the difference between Wally's Wonderland and pig is monumental. Yeah. But the underlying theme of the character is basically the same. You know, the idea of Pig, you know, the character in Pig to the character of Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. 
monumentally different, mm-hmm. but the underlying characteristic is the same. It's that same sort of feeling. And I think you sort of get a, a little more over the top. I think Renfield, he's a little more playful mm-hmm. uh, than anything else. But you see those moments, you know, even though they're fake, uh, you know, he's he's pretending to act like this, but you see those moments where it's like he feels like he feels genuine. Yeah. And it's pretty awesome, but that's not the case. It's pretty wild. Yeah. So uh, it, it, we would be remiss if we didn't recognize the absolutely fucking stellar cast. So obviously we mentioned Nicolas Cage as Dracula. Um, Arguably, Nicholas Holt is really the star of this film. Like, he plays Renfield. He's the title character, and the movie is from his perspective. And uh, I was a little bit iffy on Nicholas Holt when he kind of first came onto the scene. I never thought that he was bad, but I wasn't wasn't sure that this guy was going to be, like, it. Uh, But when I saw him alongside, uh, is it Dakota Fanning? Uh, Aquafina. No, no, no. Uh, oh. in, in the great. <laughs> I thought you were talking about in this movie. I was like, oh, that my. is a weird mix. That is a good, yeah, that would be a really weird mix. No, I'm talking about the great. When I saw him in the great. Oh, uh, no, L. L. Fanning. Fanning. I get the, get the two of yep. them mixed up. So when I saw him yeah. alongside L. Fanning and like the way he embodies the character of Peter and the chemistry that they, they had, like I was a hundred percent sold on Nicholas Hall from that oh. moment on. So Same. knowing that he was going to be in this film, I got excited and he delivers. He is a strong leader character through this whole film uh, that has his whole story arc of, you know, <clears throat> we see him as like joining a support group for codependence and trying to get out of this toxic relationship with Dragon. I mean, the whole movie is a metaphor for toxic relationships. And I think that that was like just spectacularly done and played for like for gore, for comedy, for drama, for love, like Everything was there. It was beautiful. And as you mentioned, Aquafina is in this. She plays a kind of a, a bit of a love interest for him, but like she's a a a, a cop with a, a heart of gold and like with tons of grit in a city that's corrupt. And like she's trying to avenge the death of her father to the mob, and like no one else is on her side. So it's like her against the world sort of thing. Love that combination of like her, like the the paragon of justice and Renfield, a very much like uh, anti-hero, like not really a good guy, but trying to be trying to have his own redemption. Uh, Ben Schwartz as a fucking just low level monster, like the son of the crime family for me. And it was so good. Um, yeah, son of son of the, the the big crime family, the Lobos, uh, of course the, the matriarch of the family being the just always phenomenal. Uh, and I, will probably mispronounce this name, and I am so apologize. I've just never heard it pronounced. But Shore uh, Agash, uh, uh, Agadashlu, uh, love her so much. Like, she's done a lot of voice acting. She's done a lot of, like, smaller character parts. But, like, the more I get to see her on screen, like, really just, like, getting her moment to shine, it just makes me so happy. Uh, and for anyone who has, has heard us talk about the... Um, the TV series Ghost, you know, there's the you know, British version and American version. In the American version, uh, one of the ghosts is played by Brandon Scott Jones, who uh, makes an appearance in, in this film as well. And so I was really happy to see him uh, as technically a living person. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, it's very funny because you recognize him from Ghosts and I recognize him from The Good Place where he plays a celebrity blogger that ends up going uh, to The Good Place um, and is one of the characters. So it was very funny because both of the instances in which we knew this person, he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's very interesting that like he's kind of getting typecast as the character, like a dead character. But he, I mean, he makes it work. 
<laughs> yeah, I, he did a really good job. Yeah, I, so Renfield is bonkers. You know, Shire, uh, of course, you know, love her to death. Um, she she was a pivotal character in uh, the Destiny game franchise yes. for a long time yep. uh, until her character eventually died. And then she was... Um, for me, my first time ever seeing her, she was the big bad in one of the seasons of 24. Mm. And uh, this is way, I mean, we're talking like 2002 or something like this, like early, early 24. I think it was like season two or something. And she was great in that. Very, very amazing. I used to love, uh, loved her character in that. I used to really like that show up until it got a little absurd when he got addicted to heroin and then crashed a plane and was the only survivor of the plane, like completely <laughs> unharmed, and then just wasn't into heroin anymore. And I was like, okay, we're done here <laughs> that's fine like you've jumped the shark she has had a like a long and like robust career going back at least to like the mid 70s uh the first time that i remember seeing her uh was in the exorcism of emily rose in 2005 she plays oh, a, yeah. like a, a key witness in the trial um but that's not actually the first time that I saw her because I definitely would have seen her previously in House of Sand and Fog. Uh, you and I were just talking about Ben Kingsley off camera. Oh, and yeah. uh, speaking of Ben Kingsley and just absolutely phenomenal performances, House of Sand and Fog, really great uh, like thriller drama. Uh, she was in that. And yeah, like people will recognize Shore from a lot of things. I mean, she was in the X-Men franchise. She was in Will and Grace. She was in yeah. uh, Grey's Anatomy. She did voices in The Simpsons. Like she has touched almost every major franchise that's been on television for decades and has had like some smaller parts going up and like has started to like really come into her own as a like a more key player in some of these stories. And that makes me happy. I think, you know, she's one of those those people that I think above anything else, you recognize her from her voice mm -hmm. and um, because she has a very unique and distinctive voice. We talk about that um, coming in our episode coming up on Sunday, Necrochonic, where we talk about David Wenham, who like, yes, you're almost more likely to recognize his voice than his face. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so by the way, brand new episode, Necrotronic coming up. Necrotronic streams on Hulu in America as of time of recording this. Um, so if you're the type of person that watches movies before we review them, there's your there's your deal, my friends. Go go ahead and do that. Um but, but Renfield. Renfield. So like I, I mentioned this during during our, our episode, because of course we record out of order. Uh, but going to see this in the theater was some of the most fun that I have had since you and I went to see a hurricane heist. And you know, you talked about how you know, that that was so much fun because we we went into it knowing that it was going to be just absolute schlock and we were going to have fun with it. And right away we were laughing at all of like the the big stupid moments and just having fun. And like there was like maybe, maybe 10 other people in the theater. I don't even think there was that many. And at first, like they were all dead quiet. Like they were expecting this to be a serious action film. And by the end, our laughter was infectious and everyone was joining in and it was a good time. We went to see Renfield and there was, again, like maybe five or six other people in the theater, uh, maybe more, but like when we first sat down, only a few more people filtered in. And right away, this movie wastes almost no time being just explosively gory and just bloody and like blood and chunks and just viscera everywhere. And I 
legitimately shrieked and like jumped up out of my chair at one point. <laughs> and it didn't take long for the other people to, to start reacting in a similar way. And like that energy throughout the rest of the film, whenever something went just like absolutely bonkers on screen and I'm just like, what is happening? And I hear everyone else like laughing or like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that sort of thing. Like there was just such a good energy in such a small room. For, I mean, a big room but such a small group of people and like it just reinforces that idea of how movies like this are best watched with with friends or with you know like-minded strangers yeah i mean you know i understood the whole you know like i am i am all for the idea of streaming services i think you know the easiest way you can get movies out to people is the best way to do it mm -hmm. right i mean you know ten dollars a month for to watch you know tens of thousands of movies and having all of those films from smaller artists and, you know, indie films being available is yeah, amazing, right? Because normally you'd have to wait for it to hit your art theater at best or try to order, you know, find the DVD somewhere. Mm -hmm. I think streaming has done amazing strides for helping indie uh, film creators, but there is nothing that can replace the experience of watching it in a theater full of people. That's so true. Everything feels more amplified. And I, I completely agree. I still think theater plays a very important part uh, of uh, of watching movies. And I think it's something that I hope never goes away um, because that group experience, you know, I, I always refer back to Avengers Endgame. Uh -huh. One of the best experiences I ever had in a the theater where like, you know, people standing up and cheering in the middle of the movie, you know, crying and the whole deal, such an amazing experience. And that's the kind of experience I'm like, you know, it's not going to be every movie, but like every so often when you're going to watch that one movie. And when it does, it's so magical feeling. It's, like it's so fulfilling and magical feeling. It's this really powerful shared connection. And like you said, like the accessibility of streaming, the way that it puts so much uh, like uh, so many people's works of art out there into the world for uh, anyone to see, like is fantastic. I love that. Uh, and that may has made our jobs doing this podcast very easy because there is an almost like seemingly unlimited treasure trove of movies to draw from and like to like potentially boost uh, to like, people who might not have, have discovered it on their own uh, or to warn about in a lot of cases. But it still feels so good to be able to sit down in a in a theater, watch a, a currently running movie and come here and talk about it and just really just appreciate that that experience that we get. And like we we kind of touch on it a little bit in uh, our most recent revision for Somnium, that this whole idea of like storytelling being such a like a uniquely human experience going back for as far as we can tell in our history. And the only reason that history exists at all is because of storytelling and what like an important shared thing that is for us, regardless of culture, regardless of background. Uh, and like, you know, people talk about like even like i think before this film like there was the like nicole kidman doing the whole psa about like the magic of the theaters and basically like you know the, this thinly veiled like we got to get people out to the theaters again and spending money but like the way they describe the experience of the cinema cheesy as it is in like when you try to talk about it is true and so like that's yeah. just, that that really that was such a fun experience and just like if if you can if you first of all if you if you love Nicolas Cage 
go see this film. Uh, if you like vampire stories and aren't too much of a stick in the mud about them, go see this film. If you can stomach, uh, or conversely, if you love like explosive gore, go see this film. Uh, and if you just really enjoy fun character interactions and um, like a, a really good redemption arc, go see this movie because holy shit, this is one of the most fun movies I've seen in the theater in a very long time. Yeah. I, and you know, we, we brought up Ben Schwartz earlier. Uh, ben Schwartz is probably the funniest character in this movie. Yes. Um, like he plays, I mean, it kind of feels like, um, Oh shit. What's his character's name from parks and rec? John Ralphio. John Ralphio. It kind of feels like John Ralphio got into the mob yes. and then yes. like is now just in the mob now. Like he kind of plays that sort of character. Um, but like, it's not, it's not in a way where you're like, oh, he's just playing John Ralphio. Like it just works. It works really well in the storyline. Mm -hmm. Although not entirely sure how his mom is, is Sheree. Um, but, uh, that, that's fine. Yeah, that works it, too. It works. Uh, yeah, uh, but it's it's great. He he's hilarious in it, you know. And surprisingly, Aquafina, who does mostly comedy, is is less comedy than any, if anything. She's the straight man of the of the movie. Yeah, you know, she has a couple of lines here or there, but she really is the uh, the one character that kind of is like, no, I have a mission. I'm sticking to that mission. Yeah, you know, this is exactly what I'm doing. And you know, there's a, the whole like a cab thing. All cops are bastards, right? She's in her character in this movie is the one where I'm like, I mean, kind of, but well, not really. Like, I would question this one. The whole argument of a cab is that like people are like not all cops are good cops, but then like, okay, where are they? They're not standing up. And like, this is a story specifically about a cop that is standing up to the the corruption around her and saying like, no, we have this this crime family that is running amongst that like that is like terrorizing the city. And like specifically killed my dad for for being the one to stand up to them, uh, and you know, <laughs> and insert meme. I took that personally, um, and so yeah, like she she is arguably the hero of this film. Like Renfield is the you know, the main protagonist, the star, but uh, Rebecca Aquafina's character is arguably like the most heroic. She's the one that drives the, this whole plot of taking down the mob and he helps her do it. And uh, I really liked the way that they did that. They like really gave Aquafina a chance to, to like, yeah, yes, she has her, her funny moments, but this is a good, like strong, serious role for her to an extent. I mean, there's not a lot that's really serious about this film. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, she is, she has been in some serious films. So, you know, whenever I, I see people who, um, who were like, ah, Aquafina, like she is obnoxious or something like that. I was like, yeah, you've probably only ever seen Aquafina in her loud comedy roles. Mm -hmm. But like, go watch The Farewell. Ah. Uh, the Farewell is a movie that uh, Aquafina is in, and it, you know, it's about uh, saying goodbye, um, about about the gr a grandmother that is um, uh, that is dying, and it's them like basically figuring that out. It's an A twenty four film. Yeah. 
Aquafina is great in this movie. Like it is a touching movie. It is dramatic. Um, you know, I really, really love that movie. If you think that Aquafina is kind of a one trick pony, go watch the farewell and you will have a completely different opinion yeah. um, of her. And that's what sold her for me because I, I've mentioned it many times before. I don't like actors or comedians who the only way they're funny is the louder they are. Yeah. Um, I don't like that kind of humor. And Aquafina has had those roles where like her job is to just scream the whole time. Mm. Right. Because she has a very, she's another one, a very unique voice. She's soon to be floundering in the little mermaid yes. or scuttle in the little mermaid uh movie but then i watch her in the farewell and i'm like oh shit like she's got chops yeah like like she isn't like she's getting cast in these screamy roles because she's known for it but like she should be in more roles like this or like crazy rich asians or something like that like mm -hmm. she should have more roles like that because she can be really good yeah um, and you know, in this movie, she does have a couple of moments of screaming. Um, but she is, she is good in this movie. She is that sort of straight character and she's standing up to a corrupt police force. And, and I love it. And I was trying to like the, the captain of the, the police force is James Moses Black, who is very much, I think of that guy. Like I definitely recognize him. I've been scrolling yeah. back through his, uh, IMDB profile, trying to figure out what, and he's just been in a little bit of everything. And like, it just, it has to be like just someone that I have seen, but like can't really place. Um, but like, he's, he's fantastic. And like the, like he has a little bit of, of comic moment as being like kind of the, the head guy in the pocket of the, uh, of the, of the mob, uh, and trying to like gently steer Aquafina's bravado away from that. Um, but yeah, just just really, really excellent casting all, all you know, across the board. Um, there's a fun little side plot during um, you know, Renfield's support groups uh, where one of the other members of the group named Carol keeps trying to share <laughs> and Renfield keeps bursting through the door and like all attention on her. She's like, I, I fuck me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I just love that they keep interrupting Carol. That was such a great, like, uh, that was a funny, I mean, it only happens twice, but it was a very funny uh, ongoing uh, gig. Which is great because there's the counterpart on the police force, uh, the, the guy, Officer Kyle, uh, which Kyle's last name was something that, like, I think you pointed out was was important, but they don't list it on IMDb, so I can't remember what it was. Uh, but Kyle's the guy, like, you know, he, every time he starts to, to make a suggestion, shut the fuck up, Kyle! Shut the fuck up, Kyle! <laughs> so, fuck you, Kyle! <laughs> so we have two of these characters that are getting just, like, shit on every single time they're on screen, and it's hilarious. Uh, very good. Uh, uh, you know, so fun fact about this movie, Renfield syndrome, also known as clinical vampirism is a rare psychiatric disorder where an individual has an intense fascination with drinking blood or believing themselves to be a vampire. Mm. The syndrome is named after the character RM Renfield, uh, in, uh, Bram Stoker's novel, Dracula, who consumed live insects to obtain their life force. And this is another example, um, where, uh, you know, they, this is directly lifted out of, you know, this, you could easily like pick up this halfway through Bram Stoker's Dracula novel mm -hmm. and then just, you know, skip to this movie and be like, gotcha, this is a continuation of that. Yep. Um, you know, because it is very much in line with that. But another fun fact, Nicholas Holt played Nicholas Cage's son in the weatherman, which we covered. Oh, that is right. Holy shit. I yeah. forgot that was him. 
Yeah, so that's another little uh, uh, fun uh, uh, little tidbit about this movie. Uh, um, yeah, so I mean, at, as of time of recording this, when you guys are watching this uh, this YouTube video or listening to this on your podcast player of choice, Renfield will have been out for a few weeks. Um, it you know first week it did pretty good. It's getting pretty good reviews. I could understand why people would give this a bad review if you are squeamish to gore. Yeah. If you don't appreciate the campiness of it. Um, you know, this is one of those ones where like Sam Raimi camp and then like this camp, you know, like Sam Raimi because so campy that it's like cringy. Mm -hmm. But this campiness, like it works really well. It works in a comedic way. And, and so that's, you know, what this one is. And seemingly vampire movies are are having a, a little bit of a renaissance because we're also uh, very short at, shortly out from the premiere of Last Voyage of the Demeter, which... Uh, whereas the Renfield picks up in the in the future after the events of like uh, the uh, Dracula films that we know and the love, the whole Harker saga. Yeah, um, the last voyage of the Demeter is covering the the ship that brings Dracula from Europe to the New World and the horrific events that happen on there. So, uh, really interesting couple of takes on the Dracula story from two very very wildly different perspectives and different styles. The last voyage being very much into the horror aspect, uh, whereas Renfield more into the comedy and to the uh, the journey of self. Yeah, pretty exciting. So Renfield is uh, as of now still playing in theaters. Highly recommend watching this one. This is a, this is a definite go see, especially if you're a Nicolas Cage fan. Uh -huh. um, like this is this is very up his alley. Uh, I think this is in him in one of his bright like. Like this allows Nicolas Cage to shine in his wackiness um, and it works really, really well. So highly recommend checking this movie out. Head to your local theater, definitely with a group. Um, go check the movie out. It'll just make it way more fun. Mm -hmm. um, but hey, if you're listening to this after that fact, it's still a rentable movie. I would definitely still rent it and watch this movie because it's it's worth the watch. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So thanks a lot for watching uh, for those of you on YouTube and thanks a lot for listening. Those of you on your podcast player of choice in all scenarios, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And of course, share with all of your friends. And then, uh, you know, as always rating review, you know, the deal, but uh, thanks a lot for watching. So Necrotronic is our new episode on Sunday. If you hit subscribe, you'll know that we have two episodes a week. Mm -hmm. uh, Necrotronic is coming up on Sunday, streaming on Hulu. If you want to watch it before we review it, there it is. Uh, so thanks a lot for joining us, everyone, and we will see you Sunday.